You know, I wonder how often we think that the Bible is so hard. I've got to know all this stuff if I'm going to be able to understand anything God has for me. Well, the truth of it is you don't have to understand all those things. It's amazing. We were talking about it in our class today. The Spirit of God lives within us. And therefore, we're going to look today at the sword of the Spirit. It's interesting because the Bible says the sword of the Spirit is what? The Word of God. And so when we realize that God has equipped us with something that we need to know and to use, we understand it's for all of us. We begin to understand that, yes, I want to study more. I want to do more. I want to learn more from it. I want to grab a hold of it as much as I'm able to. But I also want to understand that I don't have to know everything. In fact, I think it's impossible for any individual to know everything about God's Word. And that's why it's so crucial, though, that we come together, we learn together, we grow together, because we focus on the Word of God. And so, uh, as we look at this passage, we've been talking about, once again, the armor of God being battle-ready. We've talked about a lot of pieces of, of the armor, the equipment that God has already given to every single believer in which we can use to make our lives what God wants them to be. I love it that he didn't say there's only a few who can ever get this stuff. I'm glad he said it's for every one of us. And as we learn and as we grow and as we build upon those things, God gives us everything we need. I was reading once again through a man named Warren Wiersbe. He passed away a few years ago. He's an incredible guy, incredible pastor for many, many years. And he said this because when we're talking about the armor of God, it's important to remind ourselves of something. Next week, as we said, we're going to have the Easter cantata, and then we'll have Easter services. Uh, we're also going to have a Monday, Thursday in between there, so we'll mention more about that, but I encourage you with it. But, you know, sometimes we, we just feel like, man, I'm in this battle, and I'm never going to win. May I remind you that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he died for our sins, he also rose again. And when we realize that, we realize that, as Warren said here, he said, we do not fight for victory, we fight from victory. We have already won the, the, the battle, the war. We are there for Christ. He has already given us everything we need. But yet, yeah, there are battles. There are battles that come. There are fights that we must stand against the schemes and the devices that Satan has our way. But may we be reminded, we're not fighting for victory. We've already won. Our heavenly home has been welcoming some of our church family in these last few weeks. They're going to see and they already experience things that they've only dreamed of before. And so as we look at this passage today, may we be reminded that God has given us what we need to live the life God wants us to live. We don't have to wonder, well, how am I going to make it through life? And although we probably do that sometimes... There are those moments that hit us, those tragedies of life, those things that come our way, and sometimes we just sigh and we say, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. But if we realize that he is there for us and with us, and he's equipped us to help us through every battle, every strife, every single thing we go through, that he will be there for us, we realize that he is there and we have already won. And we turn and we look to him. 
And so let's notice some things about this sword of the Spirit. It's interesting when we parallel it again to a Roman soldier. So if you're new to the series, we have been comparing this equipment, this armor that God gives to the believer. It's not seen visibly, but it's recognizable in a person's life. It comes from the idea of Paul looking at a Roman soldier. He was around them all the time. He was <laughs> chained to some of them. He knew exactly what they wore, and it was very evident in the culture of the day what a Roman's soldier's attire was like, what his equipment was like. And so Paul began to share the importance of understanding the spiritual armor that God gives us. Well, we're nearing the end of the series. We'll have one more right after Easter that we'll look at. But when we notice this soldier in the sword, here's some things we notice today. The first one is this. He carried it with him. <laughs> now, that may sound sort of funny, but he did. The soldier carried it with him. This sword was handed over to each soldier just as the helmet was. We talked about how they would line up and there would be an armor bearer. Somebody would help them and they would give them the piece of equipment as they were putting it on. Well, this was also handed over to the soldier who was there. And so he would get his sword and then he would move on. It wasn't a long type of uh, a sword as many times we've seen maybe in movies and you know we can almost like go out four or five feet three four feet and we can jab and hit this was more of a what we might term a dagger very often it was as little as six inches up to about 18 inches it wasn't very big and so there was a close proximity in the battle between the enemy over across from you and you it was hand to hand it was very serious combat. It was made for up close and personal battle. The Liberty Commentary said it was used in hand-to-hand -hand conflicts. Interestingly, it was the only offensive weapon the soldier used. So therefore, it had to be very important if there was only one piece that he was given. He had a special place made on the belt for it. Remember, we talked the first week of that belt of truth that connected all the other parts of the armor together. And so it was a special connection. You know, we were in a, uh, uh, in a uh, excuse me, I can't even think of the right word, reckon some of us, we went to a, a uh, what, what do we call it, Rick? A gun kind of thing where we were protecting our church okay i'll just say it that way and so you can tell my mind's a little off today so we were doing these things and we were checking it out and the man who instructed said if you carry a piece of a weaponry you always got to make sure you are ready every single time you don't even have to it's, it's just a reflex you know where it is you know how to pull it out well can you imagine a soldier fumbling through trying to get his sword out and trying to get it before you know it he would be down for the count so it was crucial that this armor bearer and then the soldier who, was, who received it knew how to use that weapon. Well, let's parallel to the Christian today. The Christian soldier carries it with him. The Bible says the sword of the Spirit is none other than your what? <laughs> your Bible. Now, you may carry it like this, and I hope that you do. You have some that you carry. I, I love the, the, the kind of paperback book that we have, but you know what? You can have it on your phone. You can have it on your computer because we live in an amazing time, don't we? 
You realize there were centuries that nobody had their own personal Bible. They were told what it said, but they never had it. Today, I probably have 20 or 30 Bibles somewhere in my house or my, my office. We have it at our access. And so the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. I hope that you're carrying your sword with you today in whatever form you carry it. I hope that it's something meaningful to you and it's more than just, hey, I got to go to church today. Got to make sure I got it. I hope it's something that you always have hooked to the belt, that you're always ready for, that you're coming to this moment. Well, I, I wonder where I find this. I've heard this in the Bible and man, you're pulling it out. Or you've got something and there's somebody you want to minister to and you know there's some verses to help them and you pull it out. You see, it's the Word of God that's going to make a difference in our lives and in the lives of other people. That's why when we gather here today and in our classes and our kids and uh, programs, we always are centering around the Word of God because we believe it truly is the Word of God. And it is what we need for our life on a daily basis. And so as we go through this passage today, may we be challenged and encouraged to carry it with us and use it as we have it. It's made to be up close and for personal use. I hope that you can say I was in the word of God today. I hope that you can say yesterday I was in the word of God yesterday. You know, yesterday was one of those days that this whole week, to be honest, has been one of those rough days. And this morning I got up and besides doing some studying for today, I missed my devotional time. You've heard me say before, when I was 14, I made a commitment to read it every day for the rest of my life. This is probably number 12 or 13 in those 40, 50 some years that I haven't, didn't really read it for me. So it does happen. But I hope that we have it in a personal use. We say this isn't just for something I sit in church and I open it up or I listen to somebody talk about it. But I hope that it's something that you realize that God says, this is for you. So you've got to carry it with you. You've got to take it with you, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Amen. You take it with you and you make it a part of your life. You can also carry it, as I said, in your heart and in your mind. Your belt of truth is made effective as you have the sword of the Spirit alongside it. You see, you can never know truth, that first piece of armor, unless you know what truth is. And you find truth through the Word of God. Certainly our culture doesn't give us truth. It tells you believe what you want to believe, however you want to believe it. And, and if you don't agree with me, you're probably wrong, but you can believe whatever you want. I mean, isn't it almost insane sometimes? And so you've got to know, if you're going to be a person of truthfulness, you've got to know what the truth is. And so they carried it with them, and we are to carry it. And I love how it says, because it talks about the sword of the Spirit, it's handed over to us by the Holy Spirit. He lives within us the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, and guess what He does? He helps us understand that's the amazing thing about God. Remember I said you don't have to be some kind of person that you've studied for years and years to ever get anything out of the Bible? No. The truth of it is that the moment the Spirit of God came to live within you, He began to say, I want to teach you something. 
I want to help you along in life. I want to give you something that's going to guide you, that's going to help you, that when even when nobody else is around, I am with you and I'm going to infuse your heart and your mind with those things you've already learned and taken in. The soldier carried it with him. We are to carry the word of God with us externally and especially internally. Well, the soldier also, number two, knew how to use it. It was most often used offensively. They were going on the attack. You know, it could take months or years of practice to become a skilled swordsman, to really get it down. But they did. They worked hard at it. They became, became men who were skilled at it. And when an enemy was there, they knew how to lash out at the enemy, knowing that it may be them or themselves, that person who was going to die. And so they better be able to wield the sword. You know, the more you study and use the word of God, the more you know how to battle the enemy. The more you use it, the more skilled you become. And it's so interesting. I've been reading the Bible, as I said, for many, many years. I was telling somebody this week, because of so many funerals and deaths that we've had, I was telling about my dad, and he was got sick in June. He started getting really bad, and he said, I'm just, no more. I'm just too tired. And while I was reading Scripture to him one day, because he was hoping to finish, he didn't quite. He said, if I get through these next few books, I will have read through the Bible three times this year. That was my dad. And so I... What an inspiration. He never bragged about it. I didn't even know that he read it that much. But he knew because he got in the Word. If you want to know the Lord of the Word, you've got to get into the Word of the Lord, right? And so you get in it. So it's used defensively, offensively. It's also used defensively. So you use it both. You use it in attack and you use it in prevention. You want to make sure that you're ready that you don't get scarred up from the enemy as he comes against you. A soldier might use it to ward off the thrust of the enemy. John MacArthur said Christians use it to fend off Satan's attacks. It's interesting in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus showed us exactly how to use that, how to use it defensively when Satan came against him. And it's interesting because if you're familiar with the passage, Jesus is, was baptized, then he goes into the wilderness in preparation for 40 days to then go into his public ministry for three plus years. He didn't need anything during that whole 40 days. It was a moment in time with his heavenly father that was unparalleled. When it came near the end, and there were temptations that went through that whole time, but at the end, Satan came against him. And it's very interesting because, first of all, Satan came to him using God's word, the Old Testament that they had at that time, in an attack mode against Jesus. Now, he used it in a wrong way. He misconstrued the word of God. And so, all of a sudden, what does Jesus do? Well, guess what? <laughs> Jesus is the word, but Jesus knew the word. And in Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to read part of this, and I want you to notice as we talk about it, it says, Jesus answered, 
after Satan had come against him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Guess what? Deuteronomy 8.3. Satan comes along and says, man, you got to be hungry. And by the way, how many of you are hungry today? You get a little inkling of how Jesus may have felt. He said, you got to be hungry. You know, you're, you're the son of God. Can't you just make these stones become bread? All of a sudden, Jesus combats Satan, and he says, nope, because God says man shall not live by bread alone. Verse 5, then the devil took him into this holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the mountain. He said, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their stone, in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Satan, all of a sudden, he knew the scripture. He throws it out at Jesus. Come on, let's get up there. I remember seeing this place in the, in the temple area. It was the highest part. It's probably 90, 100 feet from here to the bottom. Satan takes him right there and says, go ahead, come on. Angels are going to take care of you, right? What did, what did Jesus do? He answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Once again, Jesus used scripture out of Deuteronomy chapter 6 to combat the misconstruing of scripture from Satan. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. That's, there's that offensive thrust. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. You see, the more we know the word of God, the more we know that when things come against us that don't sound right, that puts a challenge or a test to us or puts something a little bit alluring to us and we say, oh, it sounds good, it looks good, but we know it's not right. The more we know the word of God, the more we can say, no, it's not right for us. And so we see that we follow the word of the Lord. Christians, when man said, use it to help destroy the enemy's strategies. Do you realize that Satan has a strategy against us? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage or war, wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We know all about those in our day and time, don't we? On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You've heard of those places, those strongholds, where you're trying to get in and take the enemy out, and it's a real battle. Well, Paul used that visual concerning the Word of God and concerning what can come against us. Satan can put strongholds against us to try to get us to lure ourselves that direction. And if we're not careful, we can fall against them. Because he said it's not the physical things like the battles they would rage during those days. It was the, the emotional, spiritual kind of things that are more so inside us. 
And he would use God's word to help us realize what is coming my way in my thoughts, in my heart maybe. They're not genuine. They're not true. And therefore, I'm going to realize, even if I don't quite understand it, that it doesn't ring true with what I know to be truth. And so all of a sudden I stand and I say, no, I know that this is not right. And so therefore, Jesus, I am asking you to bring into obedience every thought that I have in my mind that it may be conformed to your will. You ever have those battles you struggle with inside and they seem to just hit you and hit you and hit you and you try to dispel them like, get out of my mind, don't come this way. And it seems the more you just say that, the more they intensify but all of a sudden you bring Jesus and the word of God into the picture. Just like those scriptures said right there. There are many times I will say, Jesus, I cannot get this out of my head. But I'm asking you in the power and the authority of Jesus' name to take these thoughts captive and allow my mind to be following your will and your desire and you know what? There has never literally been one time that God has not taken those things from me. No matter how hard I could try before, it didn't work. They were seemingly a stronghold that Satan might use to captivate my attention for a while. And all of a sudden say, no, Jesus, you have got to do this. This is warfare. This is a battle. This is something that I need your help. And he takes care of it for us. Amen. The believer's weapons in spiritual battle cannot be human wisdom, as Warren Wiersbe said, or human ability or physical prowess. God's weapons are spiritual. The expositor commentary said we must use his spiritual weaponry to pull down or demolish seemingly impregnable fortresses where evil is entrenched and from which the gospel is attacked. Charles Stanley, as he was talking about this same thing, he said they must be thrown down out of our minds. Mental strongholds may be what we call addictions or may be centered on sex, drugs, pornography, gossip, unbiblical philosophies. And all of a sudden they start entertaining our minds and we have to step back and say, number one, I'm in a battle right now. You didn't even put those thoughts in there. And all of a sudden, there they are. And you are trying to decide, how am I going to overcome what I'm facing and what seems to be just grabbing a hold of me? And then I realized, Jesus, you've already given me the power. You've already given me the ability. And I am asking you in your name to take these things away. And we allow him to help us be victorious taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, we need to know how to wield the sword of the Spirit intelligently. And we need to know how to wear the armor strongly. And so we see today that the soldier carried that, that weapon with him. He knew how to use it. And then thirdly, today, he knew its power potential. He knew its power potential. I put those words exactly like there as I wanted because I think they really hit it. The sword could be deadly to a person if he was pierced with it. You know, we all have read of the Civil War and the battles and maybe the bayonets on the end of the rifles, those little daggers, those little swords. 
watching brother versus brother, family versus family, country together against odds with each other. We've heard it. We've seen the pictures. When you see that sword, we know from a physical sense how deadly it could be. I'm so thankful that the Word of God is just as powerful, only it has a different reasoning to what its use is to be. The Bible says the sword of the Spirit pierces deeply. How many times have you sat in a service or you've been reading the Word of God or you've been in a Bible study and all of a sudden God just wants to drive home something from the sword? Sometimes it's just something you needed to hear. You needed to internalize. Other times it was something that gave you the comfort that was overwhelmingly needed at that moment. Sometimes it was something that just dove in to convict you that you knew that you were not where you needed to be. However God wanted to wield that sword, he knew that it was powerful and the potential was real. And when you've been in those moments, you know what it has done for you, how it has been of benefit to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I was sharing with some this morning. We had a fr- <coughs> excuse me. One of the men at Chick-fil-A opened a new store and he was moving some boxes and going in there and he reached back and there was an open box and guess what was in there? A blade from one of the machines. Yeah, just pushing down on it, cut it clear to the bone. Now you understand the power and the sharpness of the word of God. They say a good sword, you could just put your finger across and it would cause it to bleed. The Bible says the word of God is living, it's active, and it digs into our lives if we let it. And sometimes we may feel, Lord, I'm bleeding from this. But God, I know I needed this. Sometimes God will use that sword and give you exactly what you need at the exact moment you need it. Listen, it's not just a sword. It's the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit of God that we said earlier lives right within you. He gives you what you need. It's active. It's alive. It's sharp. And it's not to destroy you. It is to help you. It is to give you what you need in life. It's amazing what the sword of the Spirit does as it begins to pierce. We all know if we know Christ that it pierces the heart for salvation. Acts chapter 2 says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you know Christ, do you remember that moment you trusted him? I still remember, man, I got unsettled. I got uneasy sitting in church. I was sitting back on this side somewhere with mama and dad. I don't know how much of the service I listened to But I remember when it came invitation time, all those times that I had heard the word of God from 
the time I was a tiny, tiny baby, up to that moment, became a reality. I certainly didn't know all the Bible, but I knew that I was a sinner, that Jesus died for my sin as the Son of God. He rose again, and he would forgive me of my sin if I would place my trust in him. And all of a sudden, as a kid, that's all it took. And his spirit began to wield his way into my heart, convicting me of sin. And I remember coming down and kneeling with the pastor and my mom and trusting Jesus as my Savior. If you know Jesus, you've got your story. You know what it was like. You felt that moment. If maybe you're here today and you don't know that yet, maybe today is that day that God, even now, is starting to put that uneasiness in you. That urge to say yes to him as your savior. You see, that's what this word of God does. It begins to penetrate the heart for salvation. And then it'll also penetrate for a decision. In Acts chapter 5, they were speaking again about how their stance for Christ was going to be. The disciples said, we're witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. You see, all of a sudden, the word of God brought them to a decision. Sadly, for those religious people who were listening there, they refused it. But it, they were still confronted with the word of God. They were penetrated with the word of God, and because they were feeling maybe some kind of sensation, they got mad at these guys. You see, the word of God never leaves us hanging. It brings us into a moment of truth. It brings us to a point where we many times have to make a decision if we're feeling that sensitivity to the spirit of God. For those of us who are Christians, we know how it penetrates our hearts in decision-making. Lord, I'm not sure which direction. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how to follow you. And then we realize the Lord said that trust in me and I'll lead you. Just like the shepherd would lead the sheep, he will lead us. So many scriptures talk about how God says, I will help you. If you'll have a heart that is sensitive to me and allow my word, which is so strong and powerful to lead you, I will take you where I want you to go. But it's listening to his spirit and his word and saying, I am willing, I am not resisting to what he's saying. I love how the word of God never gets dull. You see, the sword of a Roman soldier would have to be retooled for sharpness, but the word of God never needs resharpened. The only thing that needs to really happen is we need to be more sensitive to the sharpness of the word. We need to listen to what it's saying. We need to not just say, okay, God, I'm going to hurry up and meet with you today. We've got to say, God, I have the privilege to enter your presence through your word and your spirit who already lives within me. And I am able to take a few moments of my day to sit down and be at your feet. You see, we don't rush God. And when we try to rush God, we often miss what God has for us. Now, he knows our schedules. He knows at times, boy, <laughs> my day's crazy. And all of a sudden, you read a tidbit and God says, whew, there it is for you because I understand what you're going through today. But so often, 
We don't listen to that sharpness of the word of God. We don't adhere to it. We don't take it in. And God says, I have it for you. We see, lastly, it is far wiser than human wisdom. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God says, I'm always going to use my word how I choose. It's always going to be active. It's always going to work. And it may be at times, as I've already said, to comfort you. We've had some families the last three weeks really needed the comfort of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It may be times it needs to convict you because you're making decisions you know are wrong and you need to listen. And God says, I'm going to use this to put you back in line. It may be times that you just need to know which direction to go and the Word of God just seemingly uses it to help you go the right direction. Sometimes He gives it just to teach you. How many times you open up the Word of God and all of a sudden there's like, wow, I've read that forever, but I've never seen that before. God gives you what you need at the moment you need it if you're willing to sit at His feet and listen and read and study. It will be used according to God's will. It's the spirit sword, so He is the one who will empower us to use it well. We take it in, we soak it in so that we can give it out. You don't have to be a teacher or a pastor to give the Word of God. You just need to be a believer who comes alongside another believer in their moment of need or instruction or whatever it may be and just take what God is using you and teaching you so that you can be an encouragement to somebody else. Please never devalue who you are thinking, oh, this isn't for anybody else. <laughs> it's for you to take and you to use in the live life of someone else. When's the last time you shared with somebody what you got out of your devotions? Did you say, God, that was great? Or did you say, God, it was so good, I just got to share it with somebody. And you share it with them and you allow them to be blessed. Warren Wiersbe said this, the physical sword wounds to hurt and kill. That Roman soldier knew what his mission was to have it. But he said, Warren Wiersbe said, the word of God wounds in order to heal and give life. Sometimes God has to cut us up a little bit, has to perform some surgery through the word of God, so that we may heal and be more like his son, Jesus. The sword of the Spirit, as I said at the beginning, is to be used by every believer. He should not be afraid to find the riches of its depths alone, although he can obviously gain insight through the means of other people teaching and their wisdom. You need to grab it alone as well. Don't try to make learning the Bible so hard. Study it. Learn from it. Since it's the Spirit's sword, let the Spirit teach you. 
And he will guide you, as Jesus said, into all truth. <laughs> That's so amazing. He said, I've got it. I've got it for you. Use it to combat our spiritual enemy, Satan. He holds no match to God's word used correctly and empowered by the Spirit of God. And so as we apply this today, may we use God's word to empower ourselves in the daily battles of spiritual life. Because it is a battle. That's why God said part of the armor is the sword of the Spirit. He didn't say it's just when you're laying down by the other sheep and relaxing to pick it up once in a while. He said you need to be ready at a moment's notice for battle. We never know when it's coming. <laughs> we never know from what direction it's coming. So we need to have it ready, anchored to the belt of truth so we can pull it out so that we can remember it and face the battles that come our way. Amen? Amen. May I challenge you to be a student of the Word of God. I'm not saying you got to read it three times, three times through in a year. That's probably way too fast for most. Sometimes you just need to slow down, read some through, and keep reading until somebody until God speaks to you. I remember somebody said, well, how much should I read every day? And some of the answers were given were like this. Read until God has spoken to you. It might be a verse. It might be a few chapters. But all of a sudden, when you're quiet before the Lord, you will know. <laughs> you say, ah, I get it. There's nothing like the Word of God. There's no book as great. There's no word as living as the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads for a moment. And I want to ask you today, what is God saying to you? How is he challenging you? You certainly don't need to tell me, but I encourage you to tell him. And if God is challenging you in a way, make it realistic. Maybe he's saying, you know, it's been a long time since you've dusted that thing and opened it up. I think it's time to start again. Well, if God's saying that to you, then do it. Make the commitment. Write it down that you're starting today. Don't wait till tomorrow. If God's teaching you something, use it to bless someone else. If today the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, is speaking to your heart that you need Jesus as your Savior, open your heart up to Him today. If you don't understand what all that is about, we would be glad to sit down with you, not to push or coerce, but to show you what God says what you need. Father, you know our hearts. You know our needs. And that's why you give us everything we do need. It comes through your word, through your spirit. May we have a heart that longs to know you. Lord, what a wonderful thing we could say to you when we get to heaven is, Lord, I read your book. 
Lord, help us to be students. Whatever you have said to each individual, may they listen, may they follow through for the benefit of themselves and the good of others. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing. May it be a challenge to you today as you listen to what God has said to you. Page 504 in your hymnal. So good to have everyone with us today. I hope that you have been blessed through the services. If you're visiting with us, you want to know about our church, we encourage you to just ask any of us. We'll be glad to share that with you. If maybe God's stirring your heart, maybe it's become part of this church, maybe you're not sure of your faith in Jesus, we want to be able to help you in any way. So please feel free. Talk to us, whether it's today or uh, give us a call at the church office. We'd be glad to help you in any way. All right. All right, Lord bless you. Jerry, would you close us in prayer today?